Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, Dr. Ross Green here along with my co-host Susie Porton. It's time for another edition. Challenging Child. We do this every Monday morning, September through May. Well, not every Monday morning. We missed one. And this is only one of three programs remaining for the month of May Memorial Day is the last Monday in May. Um, And so there aren't many programs left before we take our summer hiatus and start up again in September. But, Susie, how are you today? I'm good, thanks. And how are you? I am well. I've been in a lot of places over the last two weeks. Vancouver, San Francisco, Lethbridge, Alberta, where I've never been before, Halifax, um, Nova Scotia, where I have been before. Wow, what Um, a schedule. It was a little intense, but things slowed down a little bit this week, so that's good. Um, This week is just Toronto for two days. Um, But we've got got more email than we know what to do with here, but of course we always welcome callers. The number is 347-994-2981. Press 1. We've got that down, Pat. Yes, we do. Um, And so um, anything that you wanted to start with today, given that we have no callers here at the beginning, it looks like we may get through some email today, and I think we did the last time too. Anything that you wanted to start with today? Uh, Just that... um this evening, you'll be giving a free workshop for parents in Gora, Maine. Um, that's very exciting. And on May 12th, you'll be speaking in Orangeville, Ontario for parents, A another uh, presentation for parents this week. So that's great. I know it's very appreciated. Um, and I, I guess I wanted to tell you about there was a, you know, I work in a school, and um, there was a 10-year-old boy in school who was very disruptive, agitated, and aggressive. And the teacher wasn't sure what to do with him. Nothing was helping. Traditional timeouts, stickers, punishment, rewards, nothing helped. And at the end of one day, we were talking, and I could tell that she meant well, but her classroom was in a shambles, and this particular child was screaming out for help. So I explained the CPS model, 
and how to view the child differently through the prism of lagging skills and unsolved problems. I explained that the child had a learning disability of sorts, similar to a math or a reading problem, and this was a concept she seemed to grasp. Now, it's not a one-time conversation, so I checked in with her a few days later, and she she was positive about it and said she was on her way to making progress with the particular child. So that was great. That is great. Yep. You know, I was just on a school on the phone with a school this morning and um have only been on the phone with them once before. They're not local to Portland, Maine, so we do this by phone. Mhm. And um I've been very impressed by the degree to which they are now really sensitive to this particular student's frustration and understanding it. And the biggest issue for them as well as for other schools that are often starting CPS is that so much of discipline in schools goes on in the heat of the moment. And so there's in this particular school, but I've seen this in many, there's been an overemphasis on handling the kid once he gets frustrated and an underemphasis on solving problems with the kid's input so that he doesn't get frustrated in the first place. And that's a very common scenario, trying to sort of fit CPS into the existing structure and timing of how we do things. And um, what CPS, for it to be most effective, real, and this is for parents too, of course, for it to be most effective, um, what we're doing here is not trying to come up with a solution for what's going to happen the next time the kid gets frustrated again. That's in the heat of the moment. We're looking for a solution that solves the problems that are getting him heated up in the first place, so he doesn't get heated up. And that's a very, I think that a lot of folks get the lagging skill part, or at least get it if they're introduced to it. Mm-hmm. Some folks on their CPS journey still have some of those earlier thoughts kicking around in their head about, um, uh, you know, their old way of thinking um, and their old way of intervening. But the whole idea here is to get out of the heat of the moment, use those new lenses to start solving problems collaboratively and proactively with kids. And, um, you know, every school and every individual in a school has their own pace at which they sort of can come along uh, with this and adapt to it and start implementing it. It sounds like uh, the person who you were referring to um, took to it pretty quickly. There will probably just be some more bumps in the road. Sure. And um, what I was also excited about was the possibility of introducing next year's teacher that the student's going to have to next year's teacher um, showing how collaborative and proactive solutions help this particular child and let's continue this this for um him that would be great yep 
Um, well, good. I'm glad you tell us these stories from your life in schools. Um, and now we have an email. Are you ready? Ready. This one says, hello. I have a uh, five-year-old who is showing some challenging behaviors. He struggles with listening and following directions, as a lot of five-year-olds do. His teacher in pre-K seems to be on his case a lot and brought to our attention that they think he has ADHD. Generally, most places won't diagnose a child that young, and I also don't necessarily agree with them. I did go talk to someone with my son who actually suggested you and your approach to us. I am just starting to look into it, but I am still a little lost on where to begin. After some of the behaviors I have read, I don't think my son's unsolved problems are extremely severe, but we do need to address them. He generally struggles to follow directions and listen, has trouble sharing, occasionally will kind of yell at another kid. He also struggles with talking back and respecting his parents. Can you give me an example of how I would address a situation? These are examples from the teacher. He is told to stay in his spot. He moves from the spot. He is reminded and moves again. He is asked to stand out, and when asked to stand out, he is making sounds and being loud to be disruptive. Then he is asked to leave. How do you correct that unsolved problem? Thanks, with four exclamation points. Well, if there's four explanation points, we've got to come through for this mom here. So let's go back to the beginning. Um, but you know what? My bet, Susie, is that you've already got some ideas about what this mom needs to do, and my bet is that you're going to say she needs to start with the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems and not focus on his behavior and that we're not going to know what the solution is until we talk to the kid. But do you want to take first crack at this one? Um, no, that's okay. Thank you. But You're you giving did. it to me. I am. Got it. All right. So here we go. Um, whether or not your son has ADHD, Mom, is the least important part. Um, the big question on ADHD is whether it um, adds to your understanding of your son and whether you want to consider the most popular and some would say most effective treatment for ADHD, which is medicine. Beyond that, I think you're much more interested in knowing what skills your son is lacking and the um, expectations he's having difficulty meeting. And what's going to help you identify that information is the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems on the Lives in the Balance website. That truly is the place to start. But the reality is the place to really start is um, on the walking tour for parents um, which you will find in the Parents and Families section of the Lives in the Balance website. It's going to walk you through the entire model, but the second section is going to walk you through the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems and how to use it. And what you're going to find is that you really don't want to be focused on his behaviors. You want to be focused on the expectations he's having difficulty meeting that are causing those behaviors. So... Uh, that he's yelling at another kid, good to know, I suppose, but I want to know what unsolved problem or unmet expectation is causing him to yell at that kid. Um, 
What directions is he having trouble following? Not just following directions in general. Your most specific one that you gave us is that he has trouble sharing, but we're going to have to make that one even more specific as well in terms of where, when, who. And there may be numerous examples across the course of the day through which he's in, in which he's having trouble sharing. And we want to make sure that each of those is a separate unsolved problem because just because sharing is um, shared by all those, uh, he may be having difficulty sharing uh, with some kids under certain circumstances that are reasons that are different than that he's having share, difficulty sharing with another kid in another circumstance. So what's really crucial here, and we don't, we're not going to talk with him about talking back and respecting his parents. We want to talk with him about the problems that are causing him to talk back and disrespect his parents. So in the example you get, so the ALSEP is the place to start. And we are, we're on the air here for the next two Mondays. If you need help uh, with the ALSEP, feel free to call into the program, and we'll help you do it if it's something that you're struggling with. That's what we're here for. But in the example that you gave from the teacher, that's actually a pretty specific unsolved problem, difficulties staying in his spot. It does need some more details, does need to be a little bit more specific with regard to where and when. Um, but you are at the beginning of a good unsolved problem there, and I get it. What's happening next is that he moves, which is why we're saying he's having difficulty staying there. Then he's reminded. So that's what we might call insisting harder. But insisting harder and reminding actually doesn't let us know why he's having difficulty staying in his spot, that's information we'll have to gather from him. And, um, you know, that he's still having difficulty staying there tells us that simply reminding him isn't getting the job done. Then when he's asked to stand out, he makes noises and is being loud, and then he's asked to leave. None of which, and here's the key point, none of which helps us understand what's making it hard for him to stay in his spot and none of which is helping him stay in his spot. So, when you get to the third section of the walking tour for parents, you're going to learn how to do Plan B. And the most important part of doing Plan B, at least the first part, is gathering information from your son so we can find out what's making it hard for him to meet these different expectations. That's the whole process. So, how do you solve that unsolved problem of him difficulty staying in his spot? You do Plan B. But if your question is, what is the solution to that unsolved problem? The answer is, we have no idea. And that's because we don't know what's getting in his way yet. And we're not going to know what's getting in his way until we talk to him about it. And that's plan B. So you've got the whole walking tour on the Lives in the Balance website waiting for you to explore and to help you learn how to do plan B. I'm glad you found the model. Um, whether or not your son meets diagnostic criteria for ADHD, I guess you guys will figure that out along the way. Um, I know you're not so sure about that. Uh, there are kids who look more hyperactive and impulsive and inattentive at school than they do at home, um, and so it's not uncommon for there to be disagreement about that. But as you've now heard, I'm not sure that's the most important part. The most important part, let's figure out what this kid's lagging skills are so we're viewing him through the right lenses. Let's figure out what expectations he's having difficulty meeting so we know what we're working on, and let's engage him 
in working on those unsolved problems so that we adults don't feel like we need to come up with ingenious solutions to problems we probably don't know a whole lot about yet. Susie, anything you want to add to that? Um, a few things. First of all, I apologize if you can hear the lawnmower in the background. Um, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I hope it's not too distracting. Anyhow, um, I think it's important to prioritize your uh, unsolved problems so that you're only working on two or three at a time and to try to devote 15 minutes a day to working on lagging skills and unsolved problems. Um, The problem-solving plan is also an important piece to um, fill out so you know who's working with him on what problem. And hibernating problems tend to show up um, as well as the um, reliable and predictable unsolved problems. Um, and who's working on the unsolved problem to successful resolution. Uh, like you said, the, diag- the formal diagnosis itself is not so um, important right now. That sort of pathologizes the child, and um, that's the beauty of working on unsolved problems and lagging skills is were you going to say something? I was not. Oh, sorry. Um, just that these are things that you can do together and figure out um, that it's a uh, crisis prevention model, and it might take a while for the child to participate in a Plan B conversation because Maybe he really hasn't been asked before or given a great deal of thought about it. Um, you're just you're trying to understand, and um, remember, it's not the child's idea of having a good time. He's not doing this for effect, um, but you are trying to make things better, and that's the great thing about the model is it does make things better. We have our first caller. Um, Terrific. From area code 949. We have another from area code 585. 585, just wait a little bit. Area code 949, you are on the air. What's up today? Good morning. Hello. Are you there? Um, Oh, you are there. Go ahead. Yep, we got you. I just joined. I wanted to ask... Uh, you were mentioning prioritizing, and I'm having a difficult time with that. You know, once you have them all, you have 10 or 12 unsolved problems, how do you prioritize? Well, the usual algorithm, um, before I tell you that it doesn't really matter where you start, so you don't want to split hairs over it, so I'll have to come back to that, is... Um, I'm I'm usually prioritizing by safety. If an unsolved problem is causing safety issues, then that's a good priority. Um, I'm a safety-first guy. It's very hard for parents and kids or teachers and kids to work together on solving problems as long as one or both of them is feeling unsafe. So safety is a good way to prioritize. If you don't have safety issues, then you might want to prioritize by frequency, 
which unsolved okay. problems are causing challenging episodes most often. You can also prioritize by gravity, not the gravity in terms of what's keeping us planted on Earth, but the gravity of how important do I feel that this unsolved problem is right now for how my kid is doing in general. Um, so like, uh, even though going to school might not be causing safety issues, the importance of it makes it a, you know, that's a gravity issue. You might want to pick there. Um, but the reality is, it's the process of solving problems collaboratively and proactively that matters more than which unsolved problem you pick, because you're going to be getting the process no matter which unsolved problem you pick. And sometimes you're just making things better by whatever unsolved problem you pick by getting the process going. So now you have an algorithm, but now you also know that the algorithm helps you out, but you don't want to get stuck on prioritizing. You want to get started. If you're stuck prioritizing, what I always tell people is make the list of unsolved problems, put it on a sheet of paper, and drop a pencil from up above, and whichever one it lands on, start there. <laughs> okay, great. That Thank helped. you so much. That you bet. Does. Thanks for calling in. And may I just add one thing? Of course. Try not to get overwhelmed in it is very common in the beginning to have a long list of unsolved problems, but it's great that you're um, open to this approach and getting started. And, um, you know, those first two or three unsolved problems could be uh, your most difficult because you are just getting started, but um, but it's great that you... Um, have found this model. You know, it's an amazing Thanks, model. Sure. Yes, Say it is. Again. She said that it was an amazing model. And uh, you've only just begun. Good luck with it. Call in any time. Thank you. You bet. Take care. Let's head on over to area code 585. Thank you for holding. You're on the air. What's up today? Hi. Um, well, first of all, I want to say thank you for changing my lenses. Um, you made a, a huge change in my household. Good. Um, we always like to hear that. Um, uh, and and in myself, I'm I'm so much calmer, which is great for my child. <laughs> Um, but uh, I was calling because um, most of my son's issues are, mm, well, not being able to control his emotions. So he gets angry very easily about uh, there's only one slice of pizza at the birthday party, uh, whatever it is. So um, I just needed help seeing this in when it it comes to things that have to do with um controlling emotions it's harder for me to see how cps works like i see it um when uh, there's a case of um i think it was described in the in one of your books a child tapping on the desk with his pen he needs to concentrate and you can find a solution for that um that doesn't distract the other kids or the teacher um but with Controlling emotions, I'm, it, it's like I feel that by solving the problems, 
he's not so he's not um getting into situations where he gets angry. I'm sure there always will be something that makes him angry, but um h- how does this work by avoiding situations that make him angry? How does he learn to control to actually control his emotions? Or is he? Why are we just avoiding situations? That's that's what I don't see clearly yet. Great question. So, um, a few answers here. Mm-hmm. Answer number one is that when you're doing Plan B and when you're solving problems collaboratively and proactively, you aren't just avoiding problems; you are solving them. Mm-hmm. If you are setting problems aside for now because you've decided they are not high priorities and you've got bigger fish to fry, then those are unsolved problems you are setting aside, but the whole point of setting them aside is to clear space for the ones that you are working on so that you're not setting everything aside, safe in the knowledge that if you set every, first of all, if you tried working on everything at once, you would end up solving nothing at all. But if you um, set everything aside, then you would also end up solving no problems at all because, um, well, you weren't working on anything. So when you're using Plan B to solve problems, one thing's for sure. You're not avoiding those problems. You're solving those problems. But here's the good part. Let's think about what it means to control one's emotions. And the emotions that we are usually talking about here are emotions human beings experience in response to problems that make it difficult for them to solve those problems. So that would include things like frustration, anger, anxiety, things along those lines. And what we know is that if the anger or the frustration or the anxiety are too intense, then that's going to make the thinking that the individual needs to do about the problem to solve it going to make it a lot harder because if you're too frustrated or too anxious, um, thinking uh, tends to go by the wayside and all we are is anxious and frustrated. But what's the most important skill that is involved in keeping oneself from becoming too anxious or frustrated? Um, Knowing how to solve the problem that's getting you frustrated or anxious in the first place. And so one of the most important premises of this model is that by solving problems proactively and collaboratively, you are helping the kid learn the skill that is necessary to someday be able to solve problems um, in the heat of the moment when they're surprised or when things don't go the way they thought they would. So what you're doing proactively is laying down a template and training muscle memory for solving problems with problem solving probably being the most important skill for helping human beings manage their emotions. What we hope starts happening over time is that all of the problem solving you're doing outside the heat of the moment starts to help your child in the heat of the moment and that over time when your child is confronted with a heat of the moment scenario All you'll have to do is remind him of what he now needs to know, his muscle memory, and start seeing if he can start to navigate these things on his own. What do you think of that? Uh, It's 
nothing. Uh, I mean, it sounds great. Um, I guess I'm I'm a little overwhelmed by this variety of of, of things. I've had a, a really hard time with um, doing the ALSOP, um, just because there's um, so many things that cause them to um, become angry or frustrated. Um, it, it's not that they're not predictable. There's just all over the place, and they, I don't see that they always repeat themselves. Um. Well, um, number one, it's not uncommon to have a very large list of unsolved problems in the beginning. you got to start somewhere. Um, you're training the muscle memory no matter what unsolved problem you start with. Um, how how this goes, you'll find out. There are some kids who start handling heat-of-the-moment situations better just by mere virtue of all of the proactive problem-solving that people have been doing with them. And it doesn't really matter which one you start with there. There are some kids who benefit from interventions like a model called social thinking, which is put out by my good friend Michelle Garcia Winner, that teaches strategies for being increasingly flexible. Um, And she's very creative and has characters like people named Superflex. And so whether you need the augmentive stuff or not remains to be seen. But it doesn't really matter which unsolved problem you start with. You're training muscle memory no matter what. Mm-hmm. And everybody's overwhelmed in the beginning by the sheer number of unsolved problems that they have. Um, and none of those unsolved problems are setting in motion challenging episodes with 100% reliability. All you can do is anticipate that there is an increased likelihood of a challenging episode, but even even though the same unsolved problem may not set your child off every single time. All that makes right. sense? Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Susie, what, anything what to name? add to that? Or, Mom, any other questions? Yeah, what was it? So you mentioned social thinking. Is social thinking. Website. If you go to social, if you just Google social thinking, you will find just okay. a massive array of materials that you could access to for strategies for training flexibility and problem solving. Okay. And her name is Michelle? Garcia-Winner. Okay. I got her. Um, I just wanted to emphasize knowing your kid and being alert to what his or her difficulties are. Um, In our case, uh, I tried my hardest to avoid our son being hungry um, because that was one of the factors. If he got too hungry, um, any kind of uh, logical thinking went out the door. But Mm -hmm. other kids have different things that set them off. Um, Prioritizing and not letting the little things get in the way of what you've prioritized. Mm -hmm. I know it's a lot of 
hard work and patience and time, but it takes less time than explosions and meltdowns. Um, I used to uh, try to make some time. Um, Our son was involved in in sports, and so I would use that driving time um, when I could. Well, I made an appointment with our son. That was huge to talk to him about different unsolved problems that arose in our household. Um, But driving time um, on the way to a uh, sporting event was a chance to deal with some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um. Mom, any other questions? No, that would be all. Thank you so much. Hope that was helpful. It was. And don't hesitate to call back. Okay. Let us know how you're doing. Wonderful. Thank you. Take care. You bet. Okay. Bye. Well, we have time for some more email. Um, I've been using that term a lot lately, though, muscle memory, mm-hmm. because um, – but I think that muscle memory is much better – muscle memory for solving problems collaboratively is much better trained outside the heat of the moment, and then it serves you well in the heat of the moment if you need it. But I don't find that solving problems in the heat of the moment is anywhere nearly as effective at training the muscle memory or, quite frankly, for getting problems solved because people are very heated up. Um, And I find that the solutions that we come up with in the heat of the moment are just not – they tend to be um, stopgap much more than they tend to be durable. Um, The muscle memory is trained outside the heat of the moment. Um, It serves you well in the heat of the moment should you find yourself in the heat of the moment. Right. What, what was your experience with that with your crew? Um, did you find that the more problems you solved outside the heat of the moment, the better yes. it served you well in the heat yes. of the moment? Yes, that was also one of the great things about the model and the process is that it, by solving things not in the heat of the moment, it sort of lays the groundwork, it relays, it it conveys, you know, files that the child can access when they do find themselves in the heat of the moment. But in the beginning, they just don't have the skills to um, deal with things in the heat of the moment. Shall we take on another email? Sure. This is actually kind of similar to the theme of the day. Um, Let's see. My seven-year-old daughter has recently become quite aggressive on occasion, especially to her four-year-old sister. When she loses her temper, she will now punch really hard and kick too, and I'm really concerned that she could actually really hurt someone, especially the four-year-old. I went through the Plan B approach with her this afternoon regarding one issue, which is her being nasty to her sister at breakfast time on many occasions. And on the recent example, she said it was because her sister had interrupted us having some special time together first thing in the morning. And she was jealous, and we agreed to try to protect 10 minutes of special time each morning. So all makes sense. I will now ask her tomorrow about this hitting and punching, etc. My question is, am I right to use 
the plan B approach for this kind of aggressive behavior. Um, our family has recently had a big couple of big changes, having A, recently returned to the UK from abroad, and B, my seven-year-old, just changing schools. She is really well-liked at her new school and has a lot of friends, but I think that underneath she's got concerns about transitions to work through. My seven-year-old fits many of the traits of an explosive and spirited child. Uh, this is all great, uh, and within this is all great, hugely enthusiastic, and lots of fun, but also lots of work and often of concern. Any advice is really appreciated. Uh, many thanks for all your help. So, the biggest issue I'm seeing in here, I like that you did Plan B, Mom, and I like that, and yes, Plan B would be expected to reduce aggressive behavior, but under one condition that you're not actually talking with your seven-year-old about the aggressive behavior itself, but rather the unsolved problem that is causing the aggressive behavior. And it sounds like you are hovering over that. So you're not talking with her about punching. You're not talking with her about kicking um, or hitting or any of that stuff. You're talking with her about difficulty getting along with her sister at breakfast. That's the unsolved problem. The good news is it does sound like you got some very good information from her. The thing is, I don't know if you need to follow up with a conversation about hitting and punching, because if that's the unsolved problem that's causing her to hit and punch, and you solve that problem, then not only are you going to kill two birds with one stone, not only are you going to solve the problem, you're going to knock out the behavior that's been caused by that problem. So... I've also been saying that lately, too, killing two birds with one stone. Um, one bird, the problem, difficulty getting along with her sister at breakfast in the morning. Uh, bird number two, the behavior that that unsolved problem is causing. You don't need to talk with her about the behavior if solving the problem gets rid of the behavior. Susie, anything to add to that? Um, Just to... Realize that it's a family problem and not just the seven-year-old. Um, and, yes, we recognize that the model that um, collaborative and proactive solutions is a lot of work, but that work has a lot to show for it and um, does eventually reduce and even eliminate maladaptive behavior. Good. Let's move on to another email. Wow, we're 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 knocking some off here today. This is good. Great. This one uh I'm betting that this one is well, no, the, this one might be from Canada. It says, I've heard that your material is worthwhile for situ my situation. Parenting a 16-year-old with long-standing explosive issues, in parentheses, I have concluded that it is pathological demand avoidance, but I'm not in a region that recognizes this condition. That's true. Pathological demand avoidance is much more commonly diagnosed uh, overseas, uh, in Europe, um, not in Canada so much. What do you recommend specifically for a teenager who, with the PDA especially, is not open to much guidance or discussion conversation of any kind these days? Well, the first thing I should tell you, and if you are listening to this program, then you'll know this already, is that I'm not deeply invested in any particular psychiatric disorder. 
and that means I'm not particularly invested in pathological demand avoidance, even though it may have some features that resonate with you as it relates to your child, if you're going to be implementing the collaborative and proactive solutions model, the PDA part is going to be greatly de-emphasized, and lagging skills and unsolved problems are going to be greatly emphasized. And so I think you need the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems, which you can find for free on the Lives in the Balance website. I think you need much, that's going to help you view your child through lenses that may well be more productive for you than the pathological demand avoidance lenses, which mostly is a list of behaviors that are thought to cluster together. And the reality is in this model, as you've been hearing on this program, isn't so much focused on the behaviors, but rather the problems that are causing those behaviors. So as you heard from our last caller, um, this is a lens-changing model. Um, There are behaviors that comprise pathological demand avoidance, and um, those are going to be de-emphasized in favor of lagging skills and unsolved problems. But the CPS model is uh, really pretty well known for getting kids to talk who haven't been very enthusiastic or able to talk previously. And so, like I did with one of our other emailers, I would strongly recommend that you get on that Lives in the Balance website, if you haven't already, and go to the Parent and Families section and take the walking tour for parents. going to have all kinds of uh, instruction for you in there, all kinds of streaming video and audio programming to help you implement the model walk you through every facet of it. And the best part is there are um, lots of videos in there to show you what is involved in talking with a kid when you're trying to solve a problem collaboratively with that kid. Um, Very common for people to tell us the kid won't talk. Very, very common for that kid to start talking once you start doing things in the manner that you'll be learning about in the three sections of the walking tour for parents. Susie, anything to add to that? Uh, Just that um, talking about why he doesn't want to talk, like you just said, and reassuring him that he's not in trouble, that you're not angry. Um, It helps keep you both calm. And... um, 16-year-olds can be a tough age. Um, As I said to our listeners in the beginning, my son had a bad experience with us, and when we found um, the CPS model, we decided to go about it another way. But it was like slogging through mud in the beginning. It can be slogging through mud in the beginning. Um, There's no doubt about that. Well, we have only about, we have less than two minutes left here, and therefore we do not have time to respond well to another email. The one that I, the other one that I had selected would take me two minutes to read all by itself. So I think we are going to call it a day for today. Any final thoughts here, Susie, before we sign off and 
move into the final two programs of the month of May before we take our summer break. Any final thoughts? No final thoughts for today. Me me either. So let's <laughs> call it a day for today, and we'll do this again next week. And um, Susie, thanks as always. Take care. Take care, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.